it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hi, everyone. So we're back for a midweek pod with the majority of games played. One more game and one more triple captaincy game for Rashford for most people. Some Bruno's out there to go before we can put a button on this week as it has been. Nonetheless, we're here, I guess, to take a look ahead to the next double to come. We have hope in our hearts that the March of double game weeks, that's not a Jesse Marsh pun, just so you know, <laughs> looks to have come to an end. We can instead lose our heads at the upcoming blank just over the horizon and panic about that going forward. That's going to be fun, isn't it? The back with Lucy again. How are you doing? FPL good, football bad, I assume. Yes, indeed. It's been one of those weekends that confirms I am firmly a football first person. So a good FPL weekend hasn't taken the edge off watching Southampton humiliate themselves yet again. Many thanks, Nathan Jones. Anyway, moving swiftly along, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find Tom on the main account at WGTA underscore FPL. And you can find me, Lucy, at Lucy Hynett with two Ts. On the pod today... We'll be having a shorter tactical one, continuing the butterfly effect conversation from last week and applying it to the double game week ahead. Then with a blank game week on the horizon, we'll consider how will our moves this week see us jump into or jump out of certain pathways. Plus, we'll discuss general musings on the transfer window, managerial changes and any other factors that might have an impact on our upcoming plans. We're recording on the evening of the 6th of February, two days before the United Leeds game, hotly anticipated by all of my fellow Nonto owners. Yes, yes, I'm sure you're all very, very excited by that one. Probably worth mentioning, I guess, where we are, a midweek sort of update. I mean, we always say midweek, but it's not really, is it? I mean, it's 10 out of 11 that <laughs> have gone already. But, you know, midweek in terms of calendar, I suppose... Both happy, I guess, this week for different reasons. Uh, I think you have outscored me and got a, a really decent green arrow, haven't you? Yes, indeed. I have 79 points so far, minus the four that I took for my triple move. Um, and that's boosting me from 211k to 126k. A few disappointments, White, Martinelli and KDB. Obviously, KDB has been probably a massive disappointment for a lot of people. They've been masked by Kepa, another Fortunate Kepper clean sheet and bonus. The first United game, which I'll speak more about in a minute, and Kane's heroics. I think my move this week was a bit more convoluted than a lot of people in my position, obviously with like a hit involved and stuff, but it did allow me to keep Kane and that's really paid off in terms of giving me those points versus City and also kind of clearing the way for him um, in future weeks. I did eventually take the plunge on Rashford triple captaincy, which is the main reason my score is so good. We kind of discussed it in the middle of the week, didn't we, after our last recording? Yeah. He, I didn't expect him to get the rest that he got. Then there was Martial disappearing, which made me think that if Veghorst did need any kind of rest, then I might get some forward minutes out of Rashford. And then really it was just to have a bit of fun. Um, I think too much we kind of obsess about potential ceilings and data and all that kind of thing. And I just thought that Rashford triple captaincy would be fun. So that was really what tipped me over the edge so having gone from probably leaning against it when we last recorded um i went through with it in the end so i've still got nonto the rest of the rush of a triple captaincy bruno and shaw to go how was your week i think it was good as well yes it's very good actually i'm shocked to find myself with a healthy green again um i'm up to 14k now from 23k i started on i spent so i kind of even out around 15k but yeah i mean it, it, i think it was diminished a bit by Rashford being, uh, I think it's like 202%, something like that overall effective ownership. Or at my OR, I think there was a stupid sort of shadow land I was in where his EO was like 199.9%. So I moved up three places per point uh, at one point this week. The yeah, overall, you know, it's been good to just not be punished that much by the triple captaincy really going against me. In the past, you know, you've seen if you haven't had the triple captain and even though you've owned the player, you know, they've been in kind of north of 230% and everything they've done has really hurt. But Rashford being, you know, just one or two percent over hasn't really had much of an effect on me. I did Bruno in for KDB, as I mentioned, and you know, the nine point plus swing has been very, very sweet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, really the week kind of comes down to one word, Matoma, again, 
It's simply rocket fuel to get a differential double-digit return. It has been very lucky. Uh, obviously, you've got to buy a ticket to win the lottery, but it has been simply very lucky. Ahead of this week, uh, a worldie the week before, and 23 points from three shots, effectively. Like that, that header was an eight-point goal. Yes, exactly. I was wildly excited at that going in. And my cousin was looking at me like, why do you care about a Bryson player scoring goals? I was like, I don't even feel like, oh, okay, you're a sad person. But anyway, um, I enjoyed it. Um, elsewhere, I mean, most people had the players that I had, and Lucy's mentioned them really en masse. The only thing I really had over everyone else was Estupinian as well. He kept a clean sheet uh, when Botman, so most people's analogue for Estupinian is Botman. Um, most people have got the double Newcastle defence. Obviously, that Paqueta goal, assisted by Rice, to much hilarity for a lot of 1B punsters on Twitter, took that clean sheet away. So another kind of four points that I got from him over what everyone else had double Newcastle defence. Uh, yeah, Bruno Penn as well, um, above average. I uh, heard them earlier on when I was doing shopping and they said it was the first pen he'd scored for United since the 2020-21 season. Yeah, so I saw very, very uh, unfortunate, I guess, for Rash Capsoners. And, yeah, you know, and also stuff, you know, like Holland, Tony, Mitro, Mares, KDB, all of those blanks all coming together really helped. They were like the main sort of, you know, devils this week. The only kind of real problem I had was Kepa. But I mean, I'm, I'm a changed man these days, Lucy. I'm not taking uh, goalkeeper transfers anymore. Oh, no. I know. I know. He says, I mean, you know, two weeks' time, so I've got to get Kepa for the double or something like that. And yeah, I mean, it could have been better. I mean, Saka and Martinelli were one Connor Cody foot away from returning. So you know, it's it's always fine margins, isn't it? And hashtag variance. But yeah, very, very happy with that, especially if I because I haven't used my triple captain chip. So 74, probably gets about 80-ish. I'd imagine with Shaw, Bruno and Rashford left. We've both got those three left, the standard three. You can hope for a bit more than 80. That's just appearance points, isn't it? Yeah, I know. As I always say to you, Lucy, set expectations low. That way you'll always be surprised. So okay. expect 80, six more points, but we'll, we'll see what happens after that. Oh, all right. Uh, let's just quickly catch up with the mini league. Uh, it's kind of midweek, so I won't go into too much detail. Just to say that in the top 10, uh, we've got quite a few new entries, actually. In joint 10th, Yantan Leverett, Robin Smith, he's returned to the top 10 off the back of 80 points from the Rashford triple captain. He is joined with Robert Crocker, Sack of Potatoes. We've got 7-7 this week. From 7th down to 9th, it's Durham Scouse, Matthew Winkler. From 29th all the way up to 7th, it's Miggy Smalls, Lee Ebersberger. 87 points for him, another triple captain on Rashford. From 4th down to 7th, it's Captain Jack Sparrows, Andy Nichols. Unfortunately, didn't triple captain this week. Rashford captain, 59 points only for Andy. It's a bit of a rough week for him thus far. In sip up from 12th, it's Luke Passfields with Shake and Bake. 79 points for Luke, another triple captain. And in 4th up from 5th, Chris Hughes, Villains. It's been in the top 10 for quite a while, actually, Chris. Uh, triple captain again uh, on Rashford. In fourth down from second, what would Jesus do? Rob Brooks, 60 points for Rob, unfortunately. In third, up from eighth, it's uh, Sweet Blue Boys, Victor Sunday, another triple captain, 88 points. And in second, up from third, it's Strand United, Daniel Strand, with 74 points this week. And doesn't that kind of mean, yes, it does. It still means that Mark Beakley is an awfully long way ahead, uh, right at the top of the league. Only 66 for Mark this week, but I suspect he won't mind because he is doing very, very well indeed. It's almost 50 points difference uh, between second and first in the mini league. And Mark finds himself in the top 25 in the world. So very well done indeed there, Mark. Right. And market forces, before we talk about the actual transfers done in the world of football, unexpectedly, Hmm. Uh, Matoma is top of the transfers in but he's got a blank in two weeks you weirdos what are you doing well he scored loads of points so I'm guessing that's why people have brought him in up to 10% ownership over now they see 180,000 transfers in for Matoma in fact the top five rural midfielders this week so a midfield turnaround maybe the pivot to 3-5-2 we discussed a little while ago is beginning to happen Saka bought by over 100,000 managers. Mares getting to that level. We'll speak about him in a bit, that's for sure. Odegaard, another one we'll speak about. 80,000 transfers in. And Rashford bought still by, well, that's amazing. Almost 90,000 managers have finally seen enough and decided to buy Marcus Rashford in. Those are the ones that always perplex me. I don't really understand that. Talk uh, about missing the bus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very confusing indeed. On the other side of it, uh, Jao Cancelo, uh, no longer of this parish. Has been sold by 300,000 managers, uh, which always makes it a bit surprising that 
people haven't really kind of there's no mid defender in the top five i guess that's just because people have got disparate kind of targets with no obvious one in sight like so you know me shah ake i think it's a top four city defender i was expecting there to be like a big influx of people buying city but with no clean sheet this week i guess the you know, the robots aren't quite going there yet elsa almiron 125,000 sales for him. Rodrigo, over 100,000 sales. Martinelli getting there. Definitely talk about that. And Tony rounding off the top five uh, players sold. Age 2,000 sales for him. And Nketiah and Kane are the main beneficiaries of people selling Tony. Righto. Let's go on to just talk about the transfer window very, very quickly. I mean, is there anything of note to FPL? I think we can probably nicely partition this off into players who may be of use. And maybe players whose signing will have a consequential effect on their team's fortunes. I think, Lucy, that the main one potentially maybe Pedro Porro at Spurs, like decent data. I mean, I- I've got to admit that, unlike everybody else on Twitter who watches the Portuguese Primera League every week, um, I have only on Football Manager, and he was very good on Football Manager. Therefore, I like the player. And FB ref right. stats are pretty good. Significant XA skew to a good XDI, so it's 0.53 this season per 90. Um, big, big XA skew, though. And I was actually looking at kind of on a more qualitative level what his assists look like, and they're just a lot of classic wing-back crosses. So nice. you'd think that's good news for Harry Kane. That's the only kind of some point i've got out of it i still don't really trust the spurs defense so that's a bit of a worry in terms of any investment specifically in him but yeah i think that should be good news for kane um we know conte likes to rotate his wing back so i don't know if he himself will become an option but yeah maybe i mean five 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 million could be in in the shout really it has been signed at great expense um so i mean that maybe someone to bring into to play, especially with Spurs' you know, fixtures, just pretty much the rest of the yeah, season. Very good, very good fixtures. I think that's what's got people panicking a little bit. Those that sold Kane, he scored against City. Now they're looking at his fixtures thinking, how do I get him back? Yeah, um, if, if only a podcast had said exactly that last week. But hey, there you go. Um, elsewhere, I, I couldn't pick out too many, um, like kind of in terms of the the teams in the bottom half, uh, Onuachu, Sonimana, if Jones is sacked, do you think that they might have any sort of interest to managers? <laughs> um, yeah, well, if Jones is sacked, I'm still amazed that he's still here. Six defeats out of seven league games is fantastic. Um, but yes, you would think that Onuachu at six foot seven would be a pretty good guy to have on the end of JWP's corners and set pieces, if nothing else. Uh, I think Sonimana is probably a bit more of a project player. I don't know if he'll yeah. necessarily start every, every game. Uh, but I wouldn't touch any of our players until Jones is sacked. And even then, I'd be pretty suspicious. I think we're probably going down. So mm. I think we're probably more a team to target to play against than we are to buy any of our players, unfortunately. Bah, unfortunate. And the only other sort of player I can think of who, I, I don't know, maybe with curiosity, but seeing Kaylor Navas in the Garibaldi of Forest, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's just incredibly bizarre to see such a story goalkeeper there. I mean, the best goalkeeper to pull on the shirt since Peter Shilton? I don't know, as I've never seen Peter Shilton play. All I've seen of him is the occasional highlight and dodgy political opinions on Twitter. But hey, you know, it's, it's really weird to see, to see Navas playing at the city ground. Like, no disrespect to Forrest, but a very, very, it shows the crazy sort of inflated world of, F, of, uh, of the Premier League. Um, in the top six, I guess, you know, the, a lot of activity was from Chelsea. Um, had our first look at Enzo Fernandez this weekend. Um, I think it was Mudrick's first start and he promptly got taken off after a hard time. What's really interesting about both those players, Enzo Fernandez, 38 club starts in his career. Mudrick, 33 starts in his entire career. £200 million, both of them. It's amazing, isn't it, what's going on at the moment? And I guess they're going to have different, maybe have different sort of impacts, Lucy. Like Enzo probably will make the defence better and kind of have a net positive impact on the team without being an FPL asset. Whereas Madrid, I mean, ex-Lively hasn't got any long-term stats to back him up. So, you know, I'm guessing Analytics FC won't be looking at him until 2028. But in the <laughs> short term, I mean, for 2020, game 25 onwards, when they have fixtures in that and the 28 blanks we'll discuss later, he could be one who could come into the reckoning and did look you know, fairly good when he came on against Liverpool, didn't he? Yes, yes, he did. I think it was quite clear that he was struggling um, in the Fulham game. That was pretty clear, pretty obviously. It just, he just didn't look like he'd looked in the Liverpool game. And I think Potter confirmed that he'd been struggling with a cold all week. 
So I don't think that's a fair assessment of him. No. The thing that makes me nervous about him is that they seem to have quite a lot of attacking midfielders and no clear number nine. Just um, a bit. It's just a bit of a mess. Like he's in himself well priced. I think he's only seven point one now, isn't he? After taking his bizarre price rise but yeah there are just so many different options and obviously sterling's just come back who you'd think would be direct competition on that flank so i'm a little bit nervous about well chelsea in general actually you know will they have kind of a, an established 11 or, or kind of consistency in their selection because if, if they don't then even though they they may not blank they still make me a bit nervous and because none of their players are particularly cheap yeah i think enzo fernandez was one of those players that actually were one of the few players that came out well out of the Fulham game. I thought he looked really good, looked very assured, played quite sensible, simple football that was very effective. Um, so I think he will make them better defensively. But from an attacking point of view, they just make me quite nervous. Yeah, I I think there's definitely one to wait and see. And if they can plug a gap like in a blank, then that'll probably be the reason you go for them. But I suspect, mm. I suspect they're not going to be players that you're going to be I mean, it may well turn around. It may well knit together under Potter's magic, but I, I feel like it's going to be a little while before he can repair that team. Um, uh, I guess Badia Shile might be one to mention as well at the back. If you're not going to go with Kepa, uh, he's 5 million Badia Shile, and he's, I don't think he's in the Champions League squad from what I can see. No, he's he's not. Yeah, no, he's very, not. Good, very good defender from the couple of games that I've seen him play in, and he's an absolute goat on Football Manager. And so again, oh, um, it's amazing. I, I know, but at the end of the day, I, I'm not. I'm not going to pretend I've seen him play before he's come to the Premier League, like some people do on Twitter. So you know, you, you've got you've got to be honest about these things. It's either that, or people have seen him on FIFA, uh, or watched the highlights reel and therefore decided they're great. So uh, it's, it's more funny if he says football manager. But you know, he was really great for me in, in the few seasons I owned him. You know, Fiorentina, right? He was my captain. Managed six or seven goals a season. Had him marking the keeper at set pieces, just absolutely. Anyway, anyway, we digress. Um, <laughs> Are you all right there? Yeah, yeah. So it's just about portions of a different show, uh, and right. else, yeah, and uh, elsewhere. Yeah, it sounds more joyful than actual football. So yeah, why not? maybe, maybe because it's all virtual and you don't see any of the nonsense surrounding it. <laughs> um, yes, uh, elsewhere, Trossard impacts on Marcelli. I think we'll discuss that in a bit, and Cancelo's uh, phenomenal. Departure from Antity, we've discussed already. Jesse March leaving Leeds, I don't think has much of an impact, really. Um, I think we would have probably have spoken about, about it a bit more uh, if Nathan Jones had been sacked today. After that incredibly strange moment with the media the other day, it, saying that at Luton he was amongst the best in Europe and all that. It was funny because I watched that and then I watched the interview of Liz Truss and I just saw two people who were out of their depth talking nonsense in, in in public i mean if there was, was a, completely completely the same sort of person talking almost my anyway. feeling about both of them is very similar <laughs> well i'm not sure who to feel sorry for right okay <laughs> uh let's move on then to the main discussion this week and it's a question um from benny blanco now before we move into that i do need to mention uh, what he's asked me to speak about this week very quickly which is game week 39 i'm not going to do a scouse accent just for the sake of everyone's dignity but he wants me to mention that tickets are on sale for game week 39 revenge or repeat which is a north versus south charity football match it will take place on saturday the 3rd of june in birmingham and features the likes of ben Crellin, james and search and planet uh, ben Dinnery, David Monday, etc., etc. Tickets are five pounds and go direct to Street Charge United. And there's an option to donate on the site. All profits, as I mentioned, do go to charity, so it's well worth going if you can get up to Birmingham for that event. Online, it's gw39northvssouth.co.uk. Do check that out if you're interested. I won't be going for reasons that become clear in due course, but yes, um, it will be a, a very good event. I'm sure it was a really good event last year. People did give good reviews, to be fair. Right, anyway, back to Benny's question, which was in no way given to me as a segue in asking me to mention Game Week 39. He asked, uh, with Man City basically looking shit, is it worth having the triple up for, for their double game week? Along with Holland, who would you say are the other best two to own? And clearly this is something which is a bit of a hot topic in the community with a bevy of questions from people like Nick Maynard, FPL Fiddle Pie, FPL Sisyphus and Nathan Jacobson. I mean, hopefully we'll cover all these questions. So, I mean, I think we're at different ends of the spectrum here, aren't we, in terms of city ownership? Where are you, just to remind listeners, and uh, what, what are your thoughts sort of surrounding them? I guess you're kind of just ploughing into this game week, aren't you, given where you are? Yes. Well, it's very good for the theme of the butterfly effect, isn't it, really, this whole thing? So I had already 
thought that City would be worth owning. In fact, I'd probably prioritise them over anyone else, thinking that what a good team they are. And what a disastrous idea that's turned out to be. But anyway, I am now tripled up on them with the three players that I thought at the time of transfers were the three worth owning. So I have Ake, uh, KDB and Haaland. And I'm just going to have to go with it. I mean, that's the way I've played it out. That's the pathway I've set. If I was picking a wildcard team for this week, would I have all three of them? I don't know if I would. But there we go. That's it. I'm all done. I don't know if it's the correct way to play it, but I can just switch off and watch the chaos now. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Like it, the divergence. Just because you had Cancelo and you held him for so long, and then you know, it was quite an obvious side shuffle over to Ake. You found a way to kind of remove someone else and keep De Bruyne to get Bruno in. Like it's quite, it's almost serendipitous uh, that you just kind yeah, of. Yes, so I lost Mitrovic to get the money, so I didn't need to lose any other premiums. Perfect, nice formium for you as well. I'm, I'm just in the completely opposite boat, I suppose. So I've got Holland. I did KDB to Bruno this week, as I mentioned. I've got no idea what to do next. I mean, I mentioned last week that I was looking at probably not taking a hit in either of the triple captaincy weeks, just because I already start four points down on the triple captainers. I don't know whether we'll see Holland become, and we'll talk about this in a bit, become the as triple captains, I suspect, but I suspect he'll still go over 200% next week. But I only want to do one transfer. And I think that my transfer is likely to be allocated towards an Arsenal player than a City one. And it seems, Lucy's like scarcely credible that I'm considering it. But as I tweeted yesterday, I wonder if just going with Haaland alone and t- saving myself from Pep sweats is a good option, given what's on the table. Like, you know, they're totally out of sorts at the moment to the eye. I guess in defence of the spreadsheets, they're still top of the league in terms of expected goals and second from bottom for expected goals conceded since the restart. And they're the only team with double figures for XG from open play. So if you look at the data, you're like, you know, crap, all right, double game week, I need to load up on these guys. But the fact is, I think it's, it's really hard if you're not in the situation. I'm sure you've kind of, since you're kind of objectively just kind of observing it from behind the glass now, I guess you can probably tell that it's pretty hard to tell exactly what to do. As much as I'm not sure that I've got this right, I don't envy the headache that's coming out of not having it all set up um, in a sense that I can just accept it for what it is rather than tormenting myself or what about who I might sell to get one in. I can completely understand why people aren't sure about midfielders. I think the Mares sub... The 59th minute sub yesterday has Ooh, probably yeah. dented the appeal for him. I mean, he's he's one of those players where he, he obviously hit the bar against Spurs. So if that had gone in and he'd play, played another minute of football, I think the narrative around him would be very different. And I think probably there would be quite a clamour to get him in. So, I mean, Mares is one I would look at if you've got, you know, a bit more flex at a lower price point, then maybe that's the way to go. But None of them are very easy to get in, and I can understand why people aren't that enthused. The only thing I would say is that Kevin De Bruyne looked very good when he came on and set up a lot of chances. So I would be surprised if he got benched again. I I think I'm feeling okay about his minutes. It's just whether his output's any good, really. And the fact is that he hasn't really provided any value since the World Cup. So it's one of those things. I've had him in since then, and he's just got to stay, and then I'll get rid of him, probably. Yeah, I I had him in since the World Cup as well, and I almost kind of was thinking about this pending double or the fact there was a double coming soon. I can't remember which way around it was, whether we knew there'd be a double here or whether it was like, no, there, I think there, there was double It here. went quite early, didn't it? That yeah, double. yeah. It was put in quite quickly. And I'm sure, I mean, I, we both went there from the World Cup over Salah. And I think a part of the reasoning was, oh yeah, you know what? I've saved myself a transfer. But it was just kind of when the United this week rolled around, it just became quite clear that removing him for me felt the easiest thing to do. Now I kind of end up kind of looking at a lineup of potentials that I can bring in if I did elect to sell Bruno, which I'm not entirely sure that I will. Um, but you're right, looking at the City midfielders, it, it each of them kind of look interesting on their own merits, but also completely disinteresting if you then clothe them in the context of Pep Guardiola and Pep Roulette. It's not just Pep Roulette, is it? It's the fact that 
Pep seems to now be obsessed with control and what he can kind of get out of the game from a possession perspective, not necessarily the amount of chances he can create. And I think it was pretty obvious in the Spurs game that Haaland was really struggling for any kind of decent service. And yes, part of that was because KDB wasn't playing. But in general, they were much more obsessed about shutting off Spurs' attacking routes than they were about kind of creating their own opportunities. And I think the fact that we saw Rico Lewis arguably struggling a little bit in a tucked-in position reflected that, you know, Pep wants to have control of the middle of the pitch. And in a sense, that's become his priority over chance creation for one of the best attacks in the league, which I find really puzzling and also a massive concern from an FPL perspective. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? I was, I was concerned that you know, KDB, Mares, and Grealish, I looked at the data... Um, and it's Mara's KDB and Grealish. They're second to fourth on the non-penalty-expected goal list behind Rashford in the midfield. All on kind of four-ish. KDB keeping that company, potentially, if you're looking to buy, points to him maybe not being valued for money. Uh, he's 4.7 million more expensive than Mara's and 5.6 million more expensive than Grealish. But what are you doing with the money this year? Again, That's is the, question. Is the yeah. question that I ask myself immediately. And people say, oh, he's not worth it. He's not worth it. Well, what the hell are you doing with the money? <laughs> you know, um, so you know, probably you, buying you, back Kane, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I feel sorry for people who have done that, as we'll come on to in a bit. But yes, uh, data also shows, unsurprisingly, Mares has slightly overperformed. Six returns when he should have had four. KDB has slightly underperformed. So two returns when he should have four. Um, I was really surprised to see Grealish there. Actually, played very well against Spurs. I thought very I think well. He, he was yes. the only, the only kind of bright bright mm-hmm. spot but I did think that you know like so Bruno and Matoma would be above him since the restart but it's not happened I mean every double game week there's one City player who goes off I mean it could do worse if you punched on Grealish I mean I saw that Luke Disable was saying that he and Mares were the two that you'd expect to get the majority of the games going forward I mean 6.8 million he could be very good so if you're in the situation for example where you know you've got Mitro and Andreas and you want to go 3-5-2 and you want to get Nonto in for Mitro and then you, know, you can only really afford Grealish he could be great to chuck there are in plenty there. Of places to go from that price point if you don't have him for a very long time maybe keep him for 25 and move on afterwards but yeah I mean, the only other thing to really mention um, about the about City in general, and particularly the midfielders, I assume we've all got Haaland, if you're not stuck on Mares or KDB or both already, is this kind of shape of their fixtures going forward. So they've got the following Premier League games, Villa home, Arsenal away, Forest away, Bournemouth home, Newcastle home, and then Palace away. And interspersed those games are other kind of priorities. So there's a Champions League game between Forest and Bournemouth, there's an FA Cup game between Bournemouth and Newcastle, and there's a Champions League game after that Palace game. And the gap is always around three to four days. Dan Legomane underscore FPL is very good if you want to see that kind of spacing visually. So if you're following me here, there's there's two kind of categories of fixtures of those, if, I, if you think about what I've just said. They're fixtures I want my Man City player to play in, and they're fixtures I'm indifferent if I players don't play or I'd accept a blank in them you know a category two we'll call them so the ones you really want your city player to play in the Villa home Forest away Bournemouth away and Palace and the ones you don't really care if they play in are probably Arsenal um, away to Villa you don't really want your city players to play in the Champions League after Forest you kind of don't want them to show up in the FA Cup game against Bristol City I think it is and you probably don't want them to play in a Newcastle game before Palace and it gets really tricky because then you're looking at a Goldilocks sort of player, aren't you? A player who, from an FPL perspective, isn't good enough to be trusted to be in the A-team, but will be wheeled out for games like Forest and Bournemouth. Bournemouth, I think, in particular, falls in the blank game week. So you really want your city players to be playing them because you're going to have no one coming off the bench if they don't play. I was just thinking very esoterically, and you can laugh at me after this, Lucy, but there are a few names that maybe come out from this if you are really looking to take a punt here. And just for the Record, I'm probably not. Uh, the first name I had, and I mentioned this year, him to you over the weekend, was Foden. If he had been on the bench this weekend, I'd have been really interested in him. I, I must stress not for anything other than the fact that he can be explosive. We've all owned the guy. But it's because he fit that bill that I mentioned perfectly as being a player probably not trusted enough to play the Champions League. And ergo, probably a good nominee to play three out of four of the good games. So Villa, Forest, Bournemouth and Palace. A second name that comes to mind is Gundogan, who could be playing a more advanced role with Phillips is wheeled out in these kinds of fixtures and likes of Kevin De Bruyne are given a rest. 
And the other name, who's obviously not a midfielder, but also just should be mentioned perhaps, is Alvarez. So if you have space, so you say you've got Mitrovic or something you want to get rid of, or a Tony, I think he might qualify as someone who's likely to be fielded in those games as a gainful, capable backup, uh, capable of doing points in the games you want them to play in. But they're not players that you're going to be wanting for the long term. Like, I wouldn't have minded, for example, having a phone and just seeing what happened. But you know, the likes of Luke disabled on Twitter are saying he thinks that Mares, Grealish and Akanji are likeliest to hit the three out of four. It's probably just not worth going even further. Now, I don't really like the whole predicts pet thing, and I've just indulged in it for a couple of minutes. Lucy, what are you thinking about it all? It's producing pet. It's predicting pet simply a mug's game, and and am I being a mug here? <laughs> I think predicting pep is very difficult, and I think to a certain extent it will depend how the results go, kind of one by one, as to how strong he plays it out. I think. So it's difficult to take a far out approach and think in the next five games, who do I want? Um, I'm just wondering, you know, we're talking about Gundogan and Foden and all of these kind of slightly peripheral figures. Does anyone have the spare transfers to be looking at this over everyone else this game week? I feel like if you're at a position where you're considering Alvarez, you're probably looking at Nketiah, aren't you? I mean, do you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> there are all these players that are fishing around um, and obviously you've got 25 to think about and probably blanks to look at and stuff. I just don't know if you ever look at them with any kind of serious use of a transfer. Like we were, we're all a bit... St- we're, it's not like the beginning of the season where we all had more transfers than we knew what to do with and could just kind of make quite luxury picks. We're at a position now where everything feels a little bit stretched, at least with the kind of, with 25 in mind. Mm. And I just think you get to the point where you think, is that actually an efficient use of my limited number of transfers? And I, I just don't think it is. Unless you've got like some obvious fire of which one just kind of is a very fortunate, easy yeah. filler. I just think you're just like, no, I'd just move on. Could could you not say the same about Mares, who's very popular, and Grealish and De Bruyne as well? Like if you if you were to say, All right, it's quite a congested period and I think I'm it's the ceiling on those players that would draw me in. I think but... it's the feeling that they could exp- you know, you're just saying that there's gonna be one city player, you would think that goes off. We don't know who it will be, but someone will bang. And it, it feels to me like it's more likely to be a Mares type figure than it is to be, you know, sure. an Alcaraz or a Gundogan. I, just, I think I that, just... that's why I would use a transfer on them, because you see that there's a potential for them to go wild. If you don't see them doing that, then I would just avoid all of them, basically. I, yeah, I just wonder whether the same logic for not messing around with the peripheral figures also impacts the main figures as it stands without the kind of the key particle of the Champions League being in play. At the moment that's on the table, maybe all all bets change again. Like This is why I'm beginning to think more and more, do I just absolve myself of the pep sweats, take some Pepto-Bismol and move on and just not I think someone really dull like a Kanji might just be the best of the lot, like plays the vast majority of games will be hanging about, might miss the odd game, but probably not a lot. And if you've got a problem in defence where you say you've got a Botman who's due to blank, he would be quite an easy switch if you've got a bit of cash. That kind of move probably attracts me more than the kind of peripheral attackers, but then that also speaks to who I am and how boring I am. So, Yep. Bryn Stewart said he was debating moving to your man Ake. But I did, I did have a look at the data for what it's worth. And the City defenders, as you'll no doubt be shocked by, haven't done anything particularly interesting this year. Akanji is the best baseline bonus of all players. So he topped the BPS for City in their 1-0 loss against Spurs. So if it would have been a 0-0, he would have probably seen a nine-pointer. And he's the sort of player who either zeroes it or 90s it, I think. So as you said, probably a bit of a straightforward pick. I mean, it, it comes to something, isn't it, when um, Amaric Laporte, is an exciting looking pick <laughs> after a couple of 160 points as so last year got 160 points decent goal threat and all that um but you know, your best hope for you if you buy in a defender you're looking at a defender is that your guy either plays zero or 90 outside of double game week if you're looking to own this player for a fair while and around game week 25 simply who knows um, and that's kind of, again, why I'm looking at it. I mean, I, you mentioned kind of getting rid of a Botman. And I've got a Robertson that I could probably get rid of because Liverpool are absolutely pants. Is that worth an extra move, i.e. a hit, on top of what I might be doing elsewhere? I mean, that's the question I think a lot of people are going to be looking at. 
And the difficulty is that none of the current kind of popular city defenders look like they're going to get much in the way of attack. You know, we're talking about bonus points, but in terms of actual output, it's quite different to how we had Stones and Diaz and the Port mixing it up with goals and more points where you felt like they could go really big in double game week. So I don't know if I'd do it for a hit. I think I'd be tempted for free, yeah, definitely. But I don't I think they've got a fairly low ceiling for the double game week, particularly as I expect them to concede against Arsenal. Yeah. I miss that the vision of Cancelo as he was. Like it just I know. didn't need to worry about this. It was just fine to own. I miss that guy. I do. Because it was just that element of certainty about it. And now you're kind of like, I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, all right. If I was, I'm trying to channel as many people as I possibly can here, uh, because you're just kind of like, yeah, I've got all three cities. I'm not, I'm not doing anything, so screw you all. So I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry. Have to, I'm, I'm going to have to try I'm to not channel. Really good for this bit, am I'm, I? I'm, that's fine. It would be the worst agony on ever. I'm going to, I'll, I'll speak to Tom instead if I need some kind of uh, sensitive advice. Um, but yeah, um, I guess the city player at the expense of Bruno is probably the one that I see a lot. And I said myself last week, you gain two games if you sell Bruno for a City player because you've got the extra game, the Arsenal game, plus you get a 25. But I am now, as I kind of said earlier, maybe thinking about just leaving Bruno there. I mean, I I don't want to be that podcaster who blows through the fact that he's kind of said the opposite of what he said the week before. And so I'm just going to obviously mention it, but I'm I'm just just not convinced I can trust any City asset to play those extra two games over Bruno. Bruno does have Leeds and Leicester and is in good form, whatever that's worth. So I'd be removing an in-form player in Bruno for an out-of-form player in Kevin De Bruyne just because they've got an extra game. And that extra game is Arsenal, which I cannot call. The only caveat around Bruno, and we can see if Sabitz is up, up to the task like De Gea thinks he is, um, is that Casemiro has been suspended for either putting his hand round Will Hughes' neck or, um, if you are of a certain volition, unjustly ruled out by conspiracists due to Will Hughes unfairly thrusting his neck into Casemiro's hands. But yes, either way, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a bit iffy on KD back now. I think that there could be an option to just move Bruno on in game 25 to a player like Mudrick, who's got a 25 and 28, rather than removing a player who's doing well, has manager this leads twice in a row, and then leaky Leicester for a KDB or any of the City players who all seem to have a yeah but about them. It just doesn't seem to me like good play to removing a player who's in form, who, yes, doesn't have a double game week, but potentially could match any City player in one week when you kind of think, oh, actually, it's iffy about the minutes. Like, if you were me and you weren't sat with the three City midfielders, what would you be looking at? I think I would be worried about, a bit like I was about Bruno this week, having to bring him in for a slightly awkward hit that I wasn't ranking on. I think I would be feeling a bit awkward about what he could potentially do if I've misjudged it. Does if that make sense? Like if he does start both games and the City Arsenal game is an open game, I I like you have no idea how to read that one. Mm. Then I I think I would be like, oh, have I left myself exposed by being too conservative? But then again, I think the thing you also have to plan in when you're looking at these moves, whether you kind of move from one player to another and there's quite a significant difference in cost, is does that using that budget also lock you up further down the line? That's, so that's, it, that's it. That's yeah. that's another thing. Yeah, if it's making life awkward for a number of weeks afterwards and you can't see any other way you would be able to release money if it wasn't that move, if you didn't kind of not make that move, if that makes sense, then I think you, you've also got to take that into consideration because it's not just that move on its own it's all of the other ramifications it has and it's difficult isn't it because it, even this week i mean morpheus mentioned to us uh when i asked questions that he had last week you know, looking at his sort of pathway looking at the sort of butterfly effects idea and that he had kdb and Caden to think about and he could have sold kdb and andreas for bruno and matoma and instead sold Kane and Andreas for Bruno and Veghorst for a 17-point adverse swing. And it's just the fact that a lot of these decisions are so close on one hand and have the immediate sort of impact. And then, as you say, you end up looking at your game with 25 and thinking, hang on a minute, if I've got De Bruyne there and then I want to upgrade, say, 
my third striker and my fifth midfielder or my fifth defender and then my fifth midfielder to get the players in that I need to get to 10 or 11, you know, even trying to buy, you know, um, Tarkovsky or something like that, plus a Nonto. If I can't quite get there because I've spent my money on Kevin De Bruyne, who has kind of plastered the sieve yet again for another three weeks, that can be the start of um, <laughs> beginning, as Morphia says, to start to tear your team up to chase the week before's points, right? Like it can be quite difficult to be kind of in that particular pathway and it's hard to jump out of it so trying i suppose to to look ahead as far as possible which is kind of what i'm doing with thinking is it even worth having a city player if it or is it even worth having de bruyne because you'll cost a lot of money got nowhere of knowing if we'll play 25 or isn't it even worth playing having a city player if i don't really know they're going to play in 25 and i'm going to need them like both of those things are making me think it's it, i just don't know if it's worth my time to remove bruno now I don't know. It's 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 difficult, isn't it? Overall on City, I mean, I know you've got three. Do you think from what I've said and from what we've been discussing that you can get away with, you know, two or maybe even one? Or would you still be telling people, that loads of people have asked, well, who's the second? Is it even worth getting a second? Is it even worth getting a third? Like, where are you on that? I think it's so team specific on that advice. You know, if you're one of these people who are, too patient on Mohamed Salah and you can just do a quick Salah to KDB switch, then go for it. But I mean, if you're having to do a number of transfers to release the funds, then probably don't. Um, I think double city is absolutely fine. I'd feel a bit exposed on one, but I can understand why people have got to that point. But I think you just have to look at your own team yep. and work out what your moves will be. I think maybe looking as far as 28 might be a bit far, but looking definitely looking at 25 and deciding what you will need from a money perspective to pull out your 9 to 11 players, however many you want to put out, um, what you'll need and and kind of plan from there. And also then look at the fires that you've got in your team, if you've got any, who needs to be kind of solved and who needs to, who can be left. And I would work it out that way. I don't think there are any blanket rules at this point. And I think we've got enough reason to say that Triple City is not is by no means a necessity. It seems ridiculous, doesn't it? I can't believe that yes. we'd, at the start of the season, you know, you'd have been told, yeah, Sissy have got double game week and you're going to be sat there kind of thinking, do I even want two, let alone do I want three? You know, the impulse at all times, whenever we've played FPL, has been double game week for Man City, lump on. And it's just not felt that way this time. And I don't feel like I want to sell Bruno, for example, and we'll see what happens on Wednesday at this time. Um, I might be interested in selling Robertson for a Man City defender, which one I simply do not know. Uh, the final thing on this bit before we go to a quick break, um, Hindi Monkey um, asked, uh, I don't know why we could that do for Sarah Time, I suppose we got to, um, he asked, will City's impending relegation make Holland more of a perma-captain? I'm not going to answer that point, but maybe it might be worth questioning or at least projecting slightly, Lucy, with City being as they've been, do you think there's going to be any loosening of the grip of Erling Haaland over that captaincy armband anytime soon? Or do you think we're still going to be, because of the enduring EO, um, looking at Haaland just from a defensive point of view, if we're doing okay? Yeah, I think we're a long way from serious interrogation of that. And if you think about it, the last time we had any kind of even creeping doubts about him, he scored a hat-trick and burnt a few people. So I think there's always that in the back of your mind that even if City aren't in a great place, if certain game conditions open up, he can absolutely throw huge points scores down. So, yeah, I think we're a long way from doubting Haaland as a permacap. Um, I, I think we'd have to have several weeks of concern and confusion around City. And the thing is, he looks the most res- resistant to Pep Roulette. So... Yeah, him, him and Edison are the two, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I know it's unpopular, but I I really love how it takes captaincy out of the game. Um, I I seem to thrive when outcomes are based on differentials rather than captaincy 50-50s. Like, they never seem to go well for me, really. Now, I like when it's been removed and there's like an equal playing field and it's just kind of everything really is a game. Um, and it's more about the players you've picked rather than just getting lucky. And I, I really kind of like that. Um, so uh, long may it continue, basically. Uh, final question. Would you triple captain now if you didn't ha- use it? this week or would you wait so nick of this parish hasn't triple captained 
say he didn't fancy it and he says he's still going to wait this week I think you know, don't think he's going to put it on Holland either I mean would you go now or would you kind of just walk off into the unknown and just hope that something does happen towards the end of the season I can understand why you would be holding off I just would worry that it would kind of give you far too much to handle from a chip perspective and you end up losing potential opportunities on say a bench boost because you're so worried about making sure you get the triple captaincy out so I I think I probably would still be playing it if I'd planned to play it. Right, right. I I think it is a difficult one. I think a lot of it really does ride on how you see the Arsenal game going, whether it is an open one or if it yeah. is a one of the classic Super Sundays that we've all sat through with Derek 4.30, looking forward to it, and it's a drab nil-nil. Does form go out the window, or will we see um, quite a a difficult game where neither team wants to lose rather than one wanting to win. Looking at Pep playing sufferable, I just wonder how that game will go overall. And then you're all on the Villa game and basically hoping that you don't become a victim of an Emery masterclass. Although they did concede four at the weekend, so that I did indeed. Did indeed. Um, I did say last week that I was I'd have been worried more worried about Holland this week than I was about Rashford's last week or but however mm. you want to temporarily call it yeah current rashford the current rashford versus future holland i i still think i'm worried about holland's ability to turn a hat trick on a dime shouldn't yep. be too kind of hit by recent effects by just because of that spurs game but no city have been like this for a little while but holland can still score so i, I don't know it i i probably would just want to get the chip out of the way i, I don't so. I, I know that sounds stupid and probably isn't optimal I think I saw something about Kane having maybe game at 29 uh, on Planet FPL. Uh, James was suggesting game at 29, Spurs and having um, Everton and Southampton away potentially. But that oh, could change because be nice. Dyche and uh, Everton might not be the best fixture anymore. And you may have uh, Bielsa in and be playing godly football. I, I don't know. If we get Bielsa in, we'll just concede even more. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll be. He'll, I was gonna, but the thing is, though, he wouldn't be your under-21 team's manager because your main team is your under-21's team, right? That's so, very true. All, yeah. all good. All good. Great. Brilliant. Right. Uh, on that note of hilarity, um, we should probably take a break there um, and we'll be back to speak about Arsenal for just a second. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Cool. So we're back and it's time to turn our attentions to North London and it's Arsenal. So got diced this week and we were just saying before we came back on that you know, it's, a, it's shocking really how quickly Dyche turned them around but that muscular midfield absolutely just hustled harried poor old yeah. guard got kicked to bits I, it was it was a, a pretty difficult game and I just I don't know I just from the beginning Adam Pritchard's friend of the pod was saying I haven't got a really good feeling about this and I, I didn't really have a good feeling about it either after not very long I mean in fact if Cody hadn't have cleared the Saka attempt off the line then maybe it would have gone differently but I don't think it's the case that we should be panicking about the Arsenal assets, but it was it was a very difficult game. But I, I don't really see it dampening interest in Arsenal. But I suspect most people got triple anyway, right? Uh, yeah, sure. That's what I've got. <laughs> yeah, so I think <laughs> going back to yeah. the City thing. Yeah, I've got three City, but I haven't got three Arsenal yet. And even when I have three Arsenal from my one plan transfer, they're probably not the three Arsenal that I would like. So that's a bit confusing. Yeah. I think Martinelli has thrown a massive spanner in the works in terms of his minutes. I think Trossard is obviously a much bigger threat than I probably expected him to be. I thought that Trossard would be used more as a kind of attacking utility man rather than someone that's just exclusively used on the left. Yeah. Uh, because he is like incredibly versatile. So I, th- I thought that would be um, yeah more of a cover for kind of everyone rather than just for Martinelli. And, that has made me quite nervous about his minutes prospects for the double game week. And I am actually considering moving him out for Odegaard for a hit, which sounds phenomenally weird. Yep, the crab manoeuvre. It is very bizarre. And I think if I was to move a City player in, then I think that move would happen. Basically, I think that move happens anyway for me. Um, I know I said last week that Martinelli you should be a bit more kind of bullish about him. I was surprised to see Trossard come on so early for Martinelli. That worried me. 
we're now in a situation, I think, where you're looking at the Brentford game and thinking, I would not be surprised to see Trossard play that game. And that kind of spanner in the words, it, it kind of, it's not exactly a roaring fire, but it's kindling with a match hanging over it, isn't it, really? He's in that sort of dubious category for the games going forward, if you think about 25 as well. I think it's and- also not just the minutes, is it? It's the fact that even prior to the minutes threat, which is, you know, taking him down from two points to one point, is that the way that you, you know, we spoke about it last week in the same, the way that Arsenal are set up with Nketiah is very different to what they were with Jesus. And then you've got Zinchenko very tucked in. So he's being pushed very far wide. So I don't, even when he does play, if he was to start that Brentford game, I don't really have any confidence about him getting returns out of it. Whereas I feel very exposed to Odegaard, who is doing very well and is quite highly owned because he started at a, a pretty affordable price. I think if it really comes down to that one, the fact that he, I mean, people are saying, oh yeah, you know, I've got those of value, or we'd be thinking, I've got those of value of Martinelli, blah, blah, blah. But Odegaard's still only 7.0 and that's still outrageous value for a player who will be 9 million or more next season, I mm. think, guaranteed. I think over time, the expected minutes for Odegaard over Martinelli make the former a more sensible long-term hold. Simple as that. Would you do it for a hit? Yeah, I I think so. So I think over time, he'd pay you back that hit. I think I was looking at doing this for the... Basically, on on the World Cup wildcards, afterwards, my regret was not being more kind of cavalier about going with Odegaard over Martinelli. And every week, there was kind of a... I wasn't kind of, you know, I, I just spoke about it more if I was seriously going to do it. But there was always that kind of feeling in my mind that, oh, yeah, this could be the week where I kind of move it. It's kind of more and more obvious that Odegaard was looking like a good place. So overperforming according to the data. Um, but if you factor in that and the expected minutes and hear the role he plays in the team, then that kind of all kind of knits together okay. I think every week, apart from this week, the minus four would have been paid back. Um, and it's, it, I'm sure that what will happen is the the week that you do take a hit or move them out, that it's going to punish you. But long term, the expected minutes and the expected starts, both of those things are in Odegaard's favour. So I suspect over time, especially if you're considering the fact that you're probably going to be wanting to keep Arsenal players if the momentum isn't stimmied completely by the result this week. I think if you're going to want to keep your Arsenal attackers, then I think this week would be the week that you just get Odegaard in over Marcelli and just leave it as it is. And I know that maybe you'll kind of, we'll get to three weeks time and be like, oh, why didn't we keep the faith in Marcinelli? That's <laughs> extremely difficult to foresee at the moment. I mean, maybe, you know, Mikel has got a plan for vexing Pep and it is using Marcinelli in the free space. Uh, if they're paying a back free, but I, I just don't know with the starts and minutes problem that Martinelli presents. Odegaard's an obvious option, and we're outside of this week playing so well, and our assets are so kindly priced. It it seems like it's worth just getting that sorted out before it becomes more of a problem going forward. If I'm removing all of this extra context, this swirling maelstrom of like, oh, you shouldn't ever crab a player across because you shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. And just look at it logically. I, I think it makes sense to do it. Not looking at it just as this week, but over the long term, I think that it should pay back barring you know some sort of miraculous return or Trossard getting injured and in training on Friday for months and suddenly you've, you've made the removal. But, but it's an easy trip up otherwise, isn't it? If you were wildcarding, what would the triple up be that you go for right now? Which one would you think is the optimal one? Probably Odegaard, Saka and Nketiah. I just think Nketiah gets so many chances because it's such a creative, productive, attacking kind of setup behind him. I think his attraction will begin to diminish kind of post-25 maybe because it sounds like Jesus will be back kind of late February, early March. So you probably need to keep an eye on that you know, in the sense that we're saying this minutes threat for Martinelli is a bit of a concern, um, then I, that will probably creep up on Enketia within sort of four or five weeks. So I think you need to be mindful of that. But in the meantime, he could make so much kind of profit for you from a points perspective before then. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. I think it's just being aware of that and, and kind of spotting issues as they might pop up. But yeah, I think those three. 
What do you think? I think so. Um, if you look at the fixtures, apart from the City game, we don't play a quote-unquote top seven team until April the 8th. Wow. So you, you've got a great run of fixtures here, lasting seven game weeks, where it's probably just a good idea to just get your affairs in order when it comes to Arsenal and just leave them there to accrue points for you over time. Because I suspect that they will. The only thing that I might say, I mean, I've got Ramsdale, so and I, I'm not going to be removing him anytime soon. But you love goalkeeper transfer. I know, I know. But I, I would be tempted to look at a defender potentially just because a lot of the attacks that we're facing probably shouldn't be attacks that we'd be worried about from a tactical perspective. Is that really going to come to pass though? I don't know. But I suspect we're most people are in a position where they've got Ben White, they've got Saka, they've maybe got Odegaard, but if they've got Marcinelli, I think the key thing is to probably think about setting your team up the next up until April <laughs> you know that's a long stretch of time that you're probably going to want to have free Arsenal for and I think getting that right for that period letting people who think oh Martinelli yeah you know I got him really early so I'm going to keep him let them have that blind spot and take the opportunity of people have done that arguably I should have done that a few weeks ago but I think it might be time to just do that I know it's a bit of a gnarly thing to do oh you're doing it for free imagine what I'm feeling about like, oh, minus four to do it I know but I might be taking a it depends how you spin it. So I could be taking a minus four to do that if I'm saying the city player in is the three, you know? Oh, yeah, do that and then I'll feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Estupinian, Robertson. Do I put Estupinian away to Palace or do I bring in a city player uh, for Robertson and play them? I don't know. I might be wrong. I mean, I'm probably going to be wrong. But I don't know if I see Brighton Palace or Palace Brighton, whichever way around it. Being a nil-nil, I think that's always a bit of a spicy game. Yeah, no, I, I, but I equally, I just don't know whether I see City. Is it really worth it? I, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. I mean, it might be. It might be what I do. I might make you feel better about it. It would be nice to not take a hit this week, but if I've got to, I'm only, only my third of the season. I think if I do do it, which again probably just shows either the higher influence or the fact that I've just tried to be a little bit different this year uh, in full effect. So yeah, we shall see. Extended beyond this week then, and the uh, last week we were saying double game weeks. God, they're so annoying because um, you've got to make these immediate plans and we've agonised about those for a good while already. Um, looking to the blank game 25, um, I suppose it's time to start planning for it a little bit. Where are you now with it? Have you looked at how many players you possibly have or you know, after making a few moves where you could possibly get to? I suppose you would probably be on the way to getting seven, eight, nine. That's probably all right, isn't it? Regardless of whether I do Martin and Teodegaard, I was going to do Bruno to Saka. So that will give me 10 fit players for game week 25. And if Patterson makes it back to fitness, which is a possibility, I will already have an 11. So I would just have Shaw, Trippier and Rashford benched. So it it is pretty straightforward for me. I think it's probably much more complex for you. I think eight, nine if Patterson is fit because I'm not... Yeah, that would be good because you've got two Brighton and three United, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. If I, if I don't do KD back... Um, so I'd have to kind of probably take a hit this week and then I'd be up to 10 or I'd take a hit in that week to get to 10. I think that that's fine. I'm, I'm not too oh, worried yeah, yeah. about going any further than that. Um, and it, it's it's definitely something that you know, I've mentioned it a few times that in the past I'd have been completely sort of already in planning mode for that hit and uh, for that blank, sorry, and be thinking, oh, you know, what can I do? How can I deal with this? Oh, it's going to be a disaster if I only field, you know, nine players. I just don't think it matters that much anymore. I think most people are either going to be on a hit to get to 11 or probably have the key men covered. I mean, all right, City will be playing Bournemouth and I've already expressed my confusion or uncertainty surrounding those players but most of us are going to have Arsenal players the triple Arsenal going on most of us are going to have Kane and beyond that it's just the case of kind of filling in the gaps where they're needed and you can probably get to where you need to be like for example if you've got three City or two City uh, three Arsenal that's already taking you up to uh five and then you've got Kepa. That's most people got Kepa take up to six. Most people got yeah, Kane take up, up to seven. I haven't been very useful again. I've done the you same know, like City that how, who will you get? I don't know. Well, well I've I've already done it. So Yeah exactly. So you've already... It's not even that I planned actually. It was just that it so happened that the players that I wanted 
for example, I wanted City and Arsenal, well, they're blank. So, I mean, that's just kind of well, taking that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, most most people probably are actually in a very decent position for that week anyway. So it probably shouldn't be something that you'd be wor- you should be worried about too much at this point, which, again, probably shortens the section immeasurably. <laughs> We're saying don't worry <laughs> about it too much. And there are a few teams with no blank in 25 or 28. We've already, we've already covered Arsenal with those. Uh, Chelsea, Everton, Palace, Bournemouth, and Forest, and oh, and Villa. Um, actually, it's an extra one. Um, are ones that are probably worth just mentioning here as pretty potential targets going forward. And I suppose I'll come out of the work workers being players that would be interesting going forward. I'm guessing 24 would be a mass role for everybody. <laughs> Everyone will take a breath and just be like, you know what, I'm done for a little while. I'm just going to leave it be. Get two for chances ahead of the hit, ahead of a blank. I mean, any players here of interest, I, I note that Tarkovsky is the current king of the week, or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah, I think Everton's defence has suddenly become a lot more attractive than it was. So I think Tarkovsky, only 4.2, is that correct, I think? Yeah, 4.2. So, yeah, he would be pretty high on my list. I, I think at the moment I'm hanging on hoping that Patterson makes it back in time. But if not, I will probably go to him he's a great bench filler so you can just make sure you use him as a player and then just discard him quite meanly um <laughs> i think the other clear beneficiary of dice ball is going to be calvert lewin but the problem is calvert lewin is far too expensive for me to recommend him to anyone i think he's close to eight million so unless you've got like a tony fishing around by that point which i seems unlikely i think you'd have probably gone to inketia but if you have got a tony lying around at that point then you could look at calvert lewin but i think yeah we've we kind of discussed chelsea at length so i don't want to kind of go over that but chelsea defense probably everton defense and i'm i'm struggling beyond that really villa defense potentially but i mean they've got to not concede four goals to leicester yeah yeah um mm. but yes yeah, so the defenders of the, all of those teams that that seem to stick out to me more than the attackers. Um, obviously, Madrid could be a, a potentially option, but that it's not a lot in those teams that don't blank. And that kind of again cements what we're saying about not panicking too much and bringing in loads of players. If you can't see players that you will want beyond that one game week, then I probably wouldn't be taking hits for them. I mean, the, the only thing I would probably vaguely mention, that I think they will come into contention and we'll speak about it more um, after game week 24 has ended, as Villa have got a nice kind of little run of Everton away, Palace at home, West Ham away, then Bournemouth at home. The Everton and Bournemouth games are in blanks 25 and 28. So I suspect, you know, the likes of Mings, I guess, 4.3. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of, yeah. Uh, Alex Marino, I know that Dean started the last game, but I've, I've, well, saw how that went. Um, and up front, um, Watkins, obviously, I think he's 10th for SGI for strikers. Bailey in midfield is actually 8th best uh, midfielder in general. Uh, for How are Bailey's minutes? I haven't really kept up with XGI. them. They're not that bad, actually, incredibly. I think he and uh, he and Mr. Watkins are being fielded um, as a de facto front two um, at okay. the moment. So that's, pre- that's pretty exciting. As I said, he's, he's actually 8th best midfielder for expected goal involvement since the restart. He's actually ahead of some dude called Mo Salah. Um, I, I that name sounds really familiar, but I, I don't know where I've heard it before. Yeah, and uh, the other thing that I that I noted, and a friend of the pod I I saw I also noted on Twitter, Tom Campbell, uh, was that my man Emmy Goodday, uh, Emmy Buendia, has scored twenty three points over the last three games, and he's flourishing. Yeah, under people Emery. are really raving about him. I yeah. love. I, I've always loved Buendia. How I've, how expensive is Buendia? Always been my man. Um, I don't think he's actually that bad this year. Um, five point seven. So oh, another one. That's uh, interesting. Who could come onto the onto the table? Uh, Norwich legend Buendia. But yes, I mean it's it's just one of those, isn't it? Where you look at it and you can you can probably be quite militant about it. You know, Palace no, Bournemouth no, Chelsea probably. Especially because I don't know, in Kepper, I probably need to kind of pop yeah, you probably do that defender yeah. because that could be quite uh, quite annoying. Hope Patterson does okay. Villa probably. Oh, oh yeah, uh, Forrest, Just going to mention a couple of couple of names as well. Uh, Brandon Johnson, uh, five point six million. Great goal this weekend. Uh, very 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 well taken. Okay. He's actually sit for attackers in terms of non pen XGI since the restart. Uh, strikers that is uh, better than the likes of Tony and Wilson. 
Um, so just 5.6 with Forest looking like they're finding an identity um, as the melted gremlin has said, uh, Steve Cooper. And uh, Morgan Gibbs-White also doing very decently in this batch of data. Um, but yes, it's, it's not the best smorgasbord, is it? And I'm really not looking forward to picking through these players. So I suppose that week we'll get Nick on or something to uh, don't know, do the do the hits, investors' profiles or something so we can avoid having to discuss which Villa player are you buying? Because I think that, that discussion lasts all of five minutes. Probably Watkins, maybe Wendia. <sighs> so, uh, transfers and captains then? Bruno to Saka, definitely. And I'm still mulling over Martinelli to Odegaard for a hit. Uh, I probably will do it. Yep. And then captain, obviously, Carland. Captain Holland, obviously, and hope. I think it'll be again for about 210, 220, something like that. I, I yeah. don't know. I so don't captain know. someone hoping they don't score. Brilliant. Yeah, it's gonna be fantastic, isn't it? And yeah, I, I feel like Marseille's Odegaard always happens for me. Um, if there's another price change threatening after Wednesday, then I probably will do it. And do I get another City player? Am I going to do it in midfield? Probably not. I'm probably going to keep Bruno. I think at this juncture, see how they do on Wednesday. But I might. Get the defender done just because Robertson Liverpool are crap. Do I want to be carrying that? Releases well, a bit of money as well. Yeah, exactly. So that might be what I do. So I might take the minus four just to make you feel better, Lucy. Thanks. What a friend. You know what I'm like. Right. Well, I think that's your lot. Um, we'll be back next week for another mid double game week pod. <laughs> yeah, look forward to it. Thanks for listening. We were who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore fbl and you can find me at lucy heinick with two t's if you enjoyed listening to this please like and subscribe to the podcast please hit that five star rating across platforms like itunes and spotify so more people can enjoy the pod yes please helps us get out there immeasurably enjoy the rest of double game week although not too much rashford triple captainers and in the meantime thanks for listening hope this is you farewell oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist Podcast Network.